thing of tears <laughs> coming back at you again with another let's talk episode and we've got a bunch of things to catch up on some things to wrap up into a little bow and all sorts of fun things how are you doing today Corey? i'm i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm here you know <laughs> we're all ready to talk about a bunch of articles that we pulled up in the sp- Funky new league to watch because, well, they took the XFL from us. I know. Rip XFL. Hashtag Houston Roughnecks for life. Undisputed champions 2020. (laughs) Yep. That'd be great. But we'll get to that. That's much, much later in the thing. How about we start about irony? Oh, what kind of of irony did we want to start with today? Because I'm sure there's plenty. So... But how ironic do you feel it is that PewDiePie is going to be streaming exclusively on YouTube, but YouTube cut off his ability to run ads and make money? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that irony. Yeah. Um, I'm honestly surprised that he agreed with to exclusively stream on YouTube. After everything that YouTube has put this man through, if I'm being, if I'm being honest here. So, the fact that he's only, like, so there's, there's two pieces with this that I find fascinating. The fact that, like, we're really starting to see a more serious swing towards exclusive streaming rights for popular, you know, internet entertainers, like, you know, Ninja and now PewDiePie, who... Like, at the end of the day, I thought Pewds would be first because, you know, he was trying to take on an entire country's worth of, you know, and uh, uh, people when we had that whole subscribe to PewDiePie war back when times were simpler. Um, I mean, so seeing- man, 104 million subscribers, so that's a lot of people that watch his content anyway. Yeah, or at least subscribe, because, like, we know that, like, although he probably has, like, 104 subscribers, like, it's probably closer to, like, 60% of that 104 million subscribers is actually watching his content. But even then, that is, like, no small feat. That's not chump change. That is bigger than a lot of major countries (laughs) in terms of population. So, and he still is the largest, like, single person, um channel to have like or in terms of subscribers like he has the biggest following out of like a single person versus you know the conglomerate that he was fighting against for you know the better half of a you know better half of a year um and he's been on youtube for like 10 years so but despite all that i'm really surprised he agreed because you know they've cut his advertising they're like no ads because you're too you're too scandalous with the anti-semitic things and all the other scandals which everyone continues to bring up Despite, you know, despite the fact, and that's, I think, the thing that is really surprising and frustrating is that no one can let, let sleeping dogs lie. And every time that something positive happens with PewDiePie, they have to bring up the, the negative stuff that he had gone through as well. Right. So, I'm doing some quick math, okay? Okay. Let's say... You had 60, roughly, you said, you you know, of his 104 million subscribers, let's say he has about 50% active, right? Right. So, approximately 52 million people watch his videos, let's say, on an active time. Over time. Even if half of that tuned into one stream, he's already made more revenue than Ninja did for YouTube. Yeah. 
or rather more revenue for YouTube in that one stream than Ninja would for Mixer and at least a stream or two. So it makes sense, but it is just, yeah. I mean, like comparing to Ninja though, is like, it's, it's kind of a joke because at the, like at the end of the day, PewDiePie is a way larger creator. Like Ninja is more brand safe. So is like it's more coverage in terms of like what he's doing and he probably and i mean on top of the fact that he was the first to have a serious exclusive streaming deal um but compared to pewdiepie he's he's some chump kid from the midwest which that's exactly what he is anyway i do not like ninja went to high school with him it's just whatever uh (laughs) but yeah so i'm i'm excited to see like PewDiePie just like actually like actively stream on YouTube because I think YouTube is finally now waking up to the profitability that is live streaming on their platform. Um, some of my favorite content to watch on YouTube are their live streams. Like I'll watch, um, you know, other creators like GT Live, which is Matt Pat's um, streaming, or anytime the Game Grumps would stream, I would watch their live streams as well too. And it's it's you know, it's nice that I don't have to open up a different browser. I can watch videos until the stream starts and then hop on the stream. So I very much appreciate YouTube live streaming for that respect. Um, I just hope that they treat him better and people are able to start letting this stuff go. This is going to be huge for YouTube. It's going to make them. It's going to make them so much money. They're going to start making Disney money off of feuds. Right. They're gonna they're gonna get those Mouseketeer bucks. Like <laughs> So but let's talk a little bit more about streaming because something else is going to be streaming this year, in a sense. I mean it always is streaming, but it's more gonna be also an online format for it. So Evo's been cancelled in the sense of it being a live event this year. I hope no one bought their tickets. If you got your well, ticket master, be- good luck getting your money back. Nope. <laughs> all tickets for evil 2020 will be refunded and there will be a summer online event planned as a replacement there we go so they're going to keep the spirit alive to do that so it'll be held online this summer details as to what it is will be revealed later you know they'll probably have a sma- an online smash competition if the servers can hold it they'll probably have an online street fighter competition a tekken competition it'll be cool you know actually like, it, it sucks. Like, this entire situation sucks. And I say that because, like, I am just so sick of being in uh, <laughs> But it's fine. I will stay in my house for as long as I have to. But that's my choice. But I do like seeing the creative ways people are coming up with, you know, fixing these problems. And, you know, how we talked about the NFL draft being, you know, done virtually as well. And now getting to see, you know, how this is going to be handled. Because I think going forward, we're going to see more things like this versus in-person. I think we're really getting away from in-person events because if you think about it, doing things on an online only like platform is going to save, you know, event coordinators and companies millions of dollars because you don't have to rent out, you know, in a, you know, a whole, you know, like arena or, you know, staples center like type deal and it's it's technically low budget in terms of what you know what is needed to make a good production and then they can buff the budget up into like you know making sure that the streams don't crash and you know we'll see different investments i think to make the streaming experience better overall 
Well, GDQ has been this been online, of course, for years and has really pioneered how well a streaming service, a streaming can do to watch games, compete for things, and where advertisers and sponsorships can help. But the thing with like Evo and other events like E3 is, yeah, they're running that convention space, but think about how much money these events are making for them because the game companies are buying their booths from E3 at the event. You know, Nintendo buys that space in the center from the E3 event organizers that they're putting out there to make their revenue at. So, really, it's things like that with in E3, with, it, with them all moving on to online. Like, Nintendo, of course, still does their online with the directs, and Sony's moving that way with their state of plays to start kind of cutting those costs a little bit. But the amount of revenue and exposure that can bring a game company on an event like Evo and such as well really hurts too with it losing because it hurts those companies a little bit because they're not getting that recognition and that more of that revenue from those sponsored booths and sponsored fights more and those thing very similar um i think probably like merchandise is going to be like the biggest hit because like when you go to these types of events like obviously things are being sold there as well in terms of like you know, shirts games figures and like i know a lot of like independent creators will get boots to sell things at these and those the the independent creators and artists and you know indie gamers i think they're the ones that are probably going to suffer the most from something like this because being in person and just having that in-person exposure is second to none when you're you know starting up because it's a big investment for those smaller companies to make and they're not going to get the same spotlight on an online like on an online even as they would if they were there in person and like able to just kind of interact with people face to face. So those are the people that I'm more concerned about, not necessarily like the Nintendo Senpais of the world or the Sony's or the Microsoft's. Um, I think it's more like indie and independent creators that well, yeah. unfortunately are going to struggle with this. And they're the ones that need our help the most. Well, and that's <laughs> why something like Tokyo Game Show also being canceled and moving to an online only thing kind of just exactly what you said. That's why something like that hurts a little more because there are those independent developers and this is the E3 of the East, they call it. You know, and with things like San Diego Comic-Con being canceled this year for COVID and things like that, a lot of creators are being hurt because of that. Which is why this whole thing sucks in the end. Places like Sweet Tomatoes go out of business. No, don't remind me. <laughs> I'm still not over it. Sweet Tomatoes is one of my favorite places to eat of all time because it's like one of the few places where it's just like... I can go and load up on as many vegetables as I want on a sink on a plate without needing to get any shitty lettuce and like have like a totally veggie based salad and no one judges me. It's my quote unquote guilt free guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll go there and like load up on veggies and like then I'll have like a nice dessert and like I feel happy and content and I won't be able to do that now. And sad. Why did you have to bring that up? Think about something happy, huh? You're right, because you know who's not going to go out of business anytime soon? <laughs> Nintendo Senpai. <laughs> Nintendo Senpai. 13 million copies of Animal Crossing were sold in six weeks. Hey, guess who hasn't been one of those 13 million yet? Yeah, you this still girl. need to. You need to, because you'll just enjoy it. It's great. It's just time-consuming and relaxing. I've got... 
I've got something that's very time consuming and now I'm like super emotionally invested into it. So it's it's been like the forefront of my mind and it's all I want to play. Once I start getting the itch to play a different game, that's when I'll purchase it. But as of right now, I'm still very much focused on the game and I don't want to stray from that because I don't want to lose the magic that it's been giving me lately. I haven't been emotionally destroyed by a video game in a long time and Animal Crossing is the exact opposite of emotionally destroying and I'm not ready for happiness yet. <laughs> You say that, but you've never played Animal Crossing. I just know it's it's a happy, bright, fun, colorful game. Like it's supposed to be like a feel good. Okay, I know so why don't you like go it. look My- at some of the dark side of Animal Crossing videos that are out there to understand a little bit more about Animal Crossing? Oh, I'm sure it's dark as shit, and like that Tom Nook is like Satan incarnate. Like I can just see it with his beady little eyes. Like I know, I know not to trust Tom Nook, but it's fine. Um, I'll get there, and I'll experience the seedy underbelly of these bright, colorful things before the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, so you say. But yeah, 13.41 million copies, bringing the Switch... By the way, the Switch itself has sold 21 million units over the past financial year. It has now sold 55 million Switch units of the Switch. I will say I am an OG New Horizons. Switch owner launch at the perfect time because it has already surpassed the last two Animal Crossing sales combined. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, everybody else is playing it. I will say Danny Trejo playing Animal Crossing has blown my mind, just like the fact that he was like like on Twitter asking for turnip prices. Um, Congressmen, <laughs> Congress people are playing it and actually opening their DMs to welcome their supporters to send them codes to go play on their island and sign things. It's cool. I mean, Animal Crossing has brought people together. Leave it to Nintendo. Yeah, this was the perfect storm for Nintendo. But quite honestly, like, after the past couple of years that Nintendo has had, like, and, like, even the shaky... I don't want to say shaky, but I feel like the Switch original launch wasn't, like, as... as hyped as, like, the Wii. (laughs) Or, Well, here's the thing, though, because the Wii was... Well, so... The Switch outsold the 64 within a few months. Yeah. Um, the 64 wasn't was hyped because it was the first 3D console from Nintendo. The Switch was hyped because it was hyped more pitched toward that casual gamer. Not the Switch. The Wii was was, was uh, pitched toward the casual gamer market with the motion controls and the packing of Wii Sports, and everybody could play Wii Sports, and so it sold like hotcakes. Because the Wii U yeah. didn't do well. The N64 didn't do well. So it was just a perfect storm with the, with the Wii, and the Switch is hitting that stride with it being, first of all, the Switch Lite handheld portable. People at home doing things, staying home more, so you're seeing sales and video game sales themselves, and console sales kind of starting to go up more and up more and up more. Some people discovering gaming for the first time, and some people discovering it with Animal Crossing because their friends are playing. Animal Crossing isn't the most complicated game to to play so it's very user friendly it's definitely an anyone can play kind of game so i get it and it really is like the perfect storm so (laughs) nintendo lucked out but quite honestly they definitely deserve it because i still love nintendo senpai and i want all all the monies to go to them so they can take disney down because eventually it'll be nintendo versus disney and i'm team nintendo all the way so i don't really have a way to transition to this next article I will leave it to you to try. So, 
I <laughs> don't have anything either. Um, outside so of Nancy, the fact how would that you like to, um... it's more, it's more video game news. Yeah, we, we have we have more video game news. Um, I'm really excited. I don't know what I, to think about this one. I can't wait to customize a dick. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's fine, but you know exactly what every gamer who buy every male gamer who buys this game, you know what the first thing they're going to do is, right? Big booby bitches, big, big booby bitches. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what's going And as a female gamer, and as a female gamer, I can't wait to helicopter dick for a couple hours just because I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> Truly immersive. Who knew and a game so, that they, who knew that first all, who you know to get most people hyped was put you know Keanu in the game. Now it's hey you can also make your dick ginormous. Oh okay cool we're in let's go hype. Keanu hype train because Keanu is best boy. He is like as close to God as I think we will ever see in our lifetime, and I love him. Um, but I just this isn't anything that anybody asked for, but I'm so happy we have it. <laughs> so, so have you read the quotes? in the article of um, quote-unquote players can encounter events where they have the option to engage in sexual activities with other main characters or prostitutes says the report these brief sex scenes from a first-person perspective depict partially nude characters moaning suggestively while moving through various positions some scenes can contain brief descriptions or depictions of thrusting motions other scenes depict a character's head moving toward a partner's crop though that's what i need to know <laughs> right because they, they were not very specific in that article now i do want to know and i regret opening this box but fuck it it's 2020 let's just open up all the pandora's boxes apparently how would you customize your genitals <laughs> i don't know like i've never actually thought about that question before really like genitalia customization it's not something that doesn't keep you up late at night when you stare out your window and really contemplate what you could do differently with your downstairs region oh it's gonna really like how about you answer the question then well like i well like i said i mean in this in this game i do think i will probably play as a male um and i i do want a, a long enough dick that i can like helicopter but, like, I'm not going to have it, like, have too much of a lean. It's not going to be too chody. Like, I want it to be, like, I think what I'll probably do is, like, I'll make my ideal dick. And, like, have that be, like, my standard of measurement to, like, any person I come across in, like, real life. It's like, oh, hey, welcome. Do me a favor. Drop your drawers. Let me fire up Cyberpunk really quick. Does it look like this? Okay, no. Next. Like. <laughs> so, you know what, though? I'll give him credit. Because I never thought that I would see a, a quote in a game talking about the first person perspective and suggested moaning. That it accurately depicts what we're going to talk about next in Demolition Man 2. So, in Demolition <laughs> Man, they put on helmets to have sex. There's no physical contact. They put on helmets, and they have virtual sex in a first-person perspective, where it's flashing lights, moaning, and suggestive poses. That is what Cyberpunk gives us. And then you get Sly Stallone, who basically confirms on a little, like, live stream that, hey, Demolition Man 2 is happening. Okay, are you pro Demolition Man 2 happening? Or are you? Because like I feel like this I one has been know. very divided. 
I don't know because Demolition. I love Demolition Man. That movie, I have a really big soft spot for in my heart. I love it. Taco Bell is our corporate overlords, and I still don't know how to use the three seashells correctly. I I believe it's you take them like a clam and you pinch as it comes, and then you use the third one just to kind of wipe across when you're done, and then you drop them in. I'm not sure. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of changes that they can make with Demolition Man in terms of like a sequel. Because I, I feel like between this movie and now, like so much has changed. So, you know, have you what's seen the next? Demolition Man, Nancy? <laughs> like, I have. It's pretty much a fever dream to me now because I saw it when it first came out, and I haven't seen it since. So. It'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to see what it's going to be about. I'd like to know more about it. Like, I can't wait to see what it is. But I'd like... I really would just like... To know how they do it. And... We'll see. Maybe we start getting closer and start getting more... Um... (laughs) More first of all, I want to know if uh, Wesley Snipes is going to be in it. That's the first thing I got to know. That's the important piece right there. So, that as soon so. as that's conf- if if he ends up not being in it, does that mean that you're out? Is that your line? I don't know. You know, we'll see. Because I mean, it's almost been thirty years since this movie came out. So we'll sad. see. It really depends on. On where he is right now and what they're trying to get him to do. I don't know. I doubt it. We really haven't heard much from him in a long time. I was going to say, I think like Wesley Snipes is just done with all the bullshit. <laughs> like, I thought he went to jail at some point or something for something. Also possible. You know, it's hard to keep tabs on a man like Wes- Wesley Snipes, if we're being honest here. Yeah, I don't Everybody know. Everybody was so... in the spotlight. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, at least someone who's in the spotlight again is Nicolas Cage. Ah, yes. (laughs) My man, (laughs) he is like the definition of like a shitposty actor, but he never intends for it to be there. I'm going to steal this tiger of independence. (laughs) Yes, we are getting... Our boy, Nick Cage, playing Joe Exotic in a TV adaptation of Tiger King. And I cannot tell y'all how hecking excited I am for this to come out. I haven't, like, Nicolas Cage has been, like, lurking in the shadows for a little while. Like, we haven't really seen anything. He's apparently out of castle money. So, like, he needs to start doing stuff again. And it's his first TV role, so that's exactly how you know it's him needing castle money. Yeah, I mean, like, dinosaur bones and castles don't fund themselves, so he's probably finally run out of all the money from, like, Face Off and National Treasure and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm really, I'm excited to see him do this. Um, I really want him to, like, go full full Nick Cage in this role, and that is the only expectation I have, and I should be satisfied. I don't care who else is in this, like, TV adaptation. Not gonna lie. He's in if it, that's enough for me. Dreamcast his met one of his his meth husband. Who would it Justin be? Justin Bieber. As the young guy. What about the uh the other one? John. Ooh, John? With the missing um, teeth. Who would you cast as his uh, his other meth husband? 
if you want me to be completely honest with you, John Cena. <laughs> He's done shitty acting before, right? Let's have him pull out his teeth and like we should no, be good to no, go. No, no, I don't think John Cena would be good for that role. No. I think so. I think so. Oh, he'd be so if um if not John Cena, I also think like Dave Batista would do a really good job with the role. I was I was thinking either Batista or maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin. Either either way, we're getting some type of wrestler in here. Like we have to. <laughs> it only makes sense. It's perfect. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum right. can play Doc and Teal. Jeff Goldblum would be great for Doc, but I totally can put him in a Carol suit. Baskin. Who do we get for Carol Baskin? That's that's the one I've had the hardest time coming up with because it's like, how do you just no? Everyone is act an actor, but Carol Baskin plays Carol Baskin. No, 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 no. <laughs> What's her name? What's her name? Rebel Wilson. Bro, be such a shit show. But it'd be perfect. As, it would be perfect. Rebel Wilson would be good. Or um, Michael Michael Sarah as her husband. The living one. <laughs> yeah, like that you had to specify. Not the one that got murdered, but the other one. But don't tell Michael Sarah like that he's in, you know, just like throw him in there. And I because that's just about how don't he tell him he has to act. Don't tell him how he don't tell him he's in, he's being just see how he looks. Yeah, because it'll be perfect and probably as close to how Carol Baskin's husband, like a live husband is, you know, in real life. Um, if not Rebel Wilson, oh, I'm trying to think of like one other person that could maybe play her, but I can't think of anybody because like at first I thought like Melissa McCarthy, but like no, because she's a little too silly no. and she can't get like that that like underlying like bitchy mean that like we see with Carol Baskin. No, give me Meryl Streep because she yeah. can act anything. She can act yeah. anything. Yeah, she'd probably turn it into an Oscar-worthy role. Right? And then that just takes this TV series to the whole whole other level. So there we go. We got the casting the, done. No, we didn't. We're missing one. We're missing... What's his name? The, the guy who always wears the motorcycle jacket. I can't remember his name right now. Oh, um... We're missing him. The Tom Hardy dude. Oh, there you go, Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah, right. There we go. Problem solved. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. There Jeff Lowe. We've... That is his name. His name is Jeff Lowe. Now that we know. But yeah, have Tom Hardy play Jeff Lowe. Or Dennis and everything Quaid. will come. Or Dennis Quaid. Ooh. Dennis Quaid would actually be. Wouldn't he, though? Yeah, especially because, like, I don't know if you've rewatched his like fake breakdown recently, um, but I have <laughs> just because I need someone else to have a breakdown for lunch. So I've been uh, rewatching Dennis Quaid's and um, like just on repeat. <laughs> oh lord! And oh, it's it's helped it's helped me get through sometimes. Uh, but I think that it like solidifies him being like the perfect Jeff Lowe. So Dennis Quaid it is. Now let's talk about something else, though, that Nicolas Cage not involved, but used to have Nick Cage involved, and that's the National Treasure TV series in development. Are we sure he's not going to be involved? Because, again, 
we need, you know, he needs dinosaur and castle money, so he could be doing both simultaneously, which I kind of doubt. I mean, because, it you know, says he's not involved. He'll pop in eventually. It's Nick Cage. When he's desperate for money, he'll do anything. You know, I may but, very well end up watching this just because I need things to watch at times. I'm gonna watch it at least the first couple of episodes because how much I unironically love the National Treasure movies. Yeah, it's about time to watch them. Right. And, like, the National Treasure movies are not good movies. But they're great movies. (laughs) Right. And for all the wrong reasons. I mean... Kind of like Evil Dead. Exactly. You know, it took itself, like, way too seriously. And, like, why would I need a water bottle to, like, line up with the sun at, like, a certain time that's, like, displayed on a dollar... On, you know, like, a dollar bill. So that way I know what brick to use in order to, like be able to actually steal the Declaration of Independence, which then I'm going to put lemon juice on, because, of course, why wouldn't we put lemon juice on the Declaration of Independence? And, like, somehow no one goes to jail. Like... (laughs) So, more Disney news. And because this posts the week after May the 4th, because, you know, we took a week off. We boycotted. Yeah. So, now we're going to talk about some of that news that we missed, like the Takio Watiti directed and co-written with Christy Wilson Cairns' Star Wars movie. I'm interested, because I've loved the, the stuff that uh, um, Batiti has been pumping out for us. And Lord knows that the, at, at least in terms of like movies, we need, a, we need a revamp. I need something different, because after the last trilogy, I'm exhausted. And disappointed. Give me a mall movie. Come on. Give me mall. There we go. Or Ahsoka. Ooh. So I'm I'm interested to see what he brings to the table for sure. Um I'm not as worried about him fucking up as, you know, I was about, you know, certain other people that may or may not have gotten their hands on this franchise, but I'm trying so, really okay. hard not to think about it. So here's the thing. I got I got something to say about that. And I was talking with a friend of my, with with a friend about this. The way he explained it to me was they had a plan, had a plan of succession, and then they basically changed their mind and said, oh no, we pissed everyone off, so let's try to fix it and still piss everyone off. And that's what it is. That's exactly what happened. Like had they owned up and followed what they did with episode eight with episode nine, had they followed it up and actually followed up everything in that movie and not retcon shit and change shit and actually just followed up with that storyline where they had it, I maybe would have looked at those two movies differently. Well, I don't know. Instead, because it's like it there's nothing trash. connecting them. Yes, but it at least would have been cohesive trash. Yeah, cohesive trash makes for better. And I think. The only upside, and I mean this, the only upside with this recent trilogy is that it makes me appreciate the prequels more, and I sh- and I still shit on the prequels, like any good Star Wars fan does. <laughs> well, it makes me realize boy, that were they... Go ahead. <laughs> it makes me realize instead there being three movies, there's six movies, and then Disney. Yeah, that that is the that's the line now. And yeah, like we can shit on the prequels as much as we want and you know why we don't like sand and you know the introduction of midichlorians and all that other like stuff that just you know will forever 
like probably is what brought us to this rabbit hole that we've fell like fallen down now. Um, but at the end of the day, it was still we still got good Star Wars content from it. Not the best Star Wars content, not the original Star Wars content, but it was still good Star Wars content. So compared to <laughs> yes. Now, speaking of good Star Wars content, news for The Mandalorian, and I'm taking this kind of with a grain of salt because it's being reported by comicbook.com, and you know my feelings about them? Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, Tamara Morrison, who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, will be playing Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. Now, that's fine and dandy, because it'll probably tell us how he survived the Sarlacc pit in actual canon Star Wars, quote-unquote. However... With the rumor being that they've cast Rosario Dawson in season two as Ahsoka Tano, means there's also a possibility he's playing Rex, her clone trooper buddy. Hmm. A very old Rex, but it's extremely possible he could be playing an older Rex. We'll see. Unlikely, but possible. Yeah. Basically, I don't really care to see Boba Fett show up in The Mandalorian. I really don't care for that fan service. I mean, honestly, though, I'm glad that they at least waited until the second season because I think I would have been more upset with The Mandalorian as a whole if Boba Fett, like, all of a sudden just came out of nowhere in the first season. I appreciate them at least making, like, you know, quote-unquote original. And I mean that in, like, a nice... I mean that in, like, the nicest way possible because it's hard to be, you know, original and, like, this established. But it's, like, the most original Star Wars content we've gotten in a long time. Um... And they kept it as an entity without too much influence. They had their homages, and then, you know, I've already expressed my opinions on, like, the super fan service the episode um, <laughs> that we both kind of shit on. Um, but, like, as a whole, it was just, it was a lot better before uh, they started shoving a whole bunch of other characters in that we didn't need. So at least they waited until season two. So I give them, like, half brownie points for it. Um, do I care to see Boba Fett? Like, yes and no. Like, it'll be interesting, but as long as it doesn't become, like, the the Boba Fett power hour where it's, like, nothing but Boba Fett, and you know, and as long well, as they don't do that, I should be fine with it. I just don't understand Is the it necessary? No. Like, I like Boba Fett. I don't understand it. Boba Fett in the movies himself has had such brief appearances that his only claim to fame is what was in the expanded universe that is no longer considered canon. Other right. than his brief appearances in the animated shows, there's not much about him out there anymore that's really real. Yes, Boba Fett and the Expanded Universe did some badass things, but I don't care about Boba Fett. I'm much more interested in Mando than I am in Boba Fett and oh, seeing I... what Mando and his precious bean do than I am seeing about Boba Fett in this damn series. I'm more hyped to see Ahsoka Tano than I am to see Boba Fett. No, that's fair. Like I said, like, I mean, like, I like Boba Fett, and just for, for me, it's just more, it was, like, those brief appearances, I'm like, oh, he kind of looks like a badass. Like, I just, like, I've always wanted to know more about Boba Fett. You know, he was just, like, that, that, that mystery piece. So that, that's the allure for someone like me. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what they make canon for Boba Fett, because they're introducing a bunch of the Mandalorian. And they're probably doing it just for that that respect as well, too, is like, okay, so this is what we've decided is canon, so y'all can shut up now. I feel like that's really what they're trying to do here. It is. And I oh. think with that, we're going to stop bitching about Star Wars shit, and we're going to talk about something unnecessary that I really wanted to include because, well, 
it helps transition us into being a sports talk for a minute. Mm. So <laughs> they got some info on Space Jam 2 Electric Boogaloo, which is now retitled Space Jam A New Legacy, which will be starring LeBron James, everyone's favorite outspoken athlete. I'm salty. We didn't need another Space Jam movie. And it definitely didn't need to be fucking LeBron James. <laughs> Much talking to it, really, I don't care because I'll I'll watch it because I love the Looney Tunes. I love Bugs Bunny. You know me. I love cartoons. I especially love old cartoons like that. The classic Looney Tunes, Mickey Mouse, Tom and Jerry. I love all that shit. Well, I love it too. And like I grew up watching Looney Tunes and you know Tom and Jerry and all that other stuff. And it, it's something that like is very near and dear to my heart. So much so that I have a very hard time watching the new Looney Tunes series, which I know you actually enjoy. Um, so, okay, I, there's a, I watched, I liked the Looney Tunes show, which yes. was not, which was a series, but there's actually new Looney Tunes online where it's, you know, little shorts that they did with new animation. The Looney Tunes show is slice of life comedy. It's not really a Looney Tunes skit show. It's a comedy show that has a lot of adult humor in it. Well, for me, too, and I, I mean this in, like, a really nice way, and there's no slight, I don't like the way it's animated. And That's fine. For, that for everyone. Yeah, it, it's not that animation style that I think of when I think of the Looney Tunes. And, like, the Looney Tunes was, like, very special in how it balanced, you know, like, its classical music and a very traditional animation style. And I thought that that blends together so beautifully and when you kind of just like rip both of those things away you're kind of left with a shell of what was and like just recognizable characters and well, it's it's like the argument with teen titans go and i actually sat down and had an opportunity to look at well, the unfortunate opportunity to see what the new uh, thundercats roar looked like while i was sitting oh, for dinner tonight and it's oh, just Lord. it's the animation style the way those are now but you have to remember that's that popular style now lazy is key quick is key simple is key that's the aesthetic you don't see no, detailed or hand drawn animation anymore i i have an affinity for animation and i don't like modern animation but i'll give no. it a shot depending on the actual content they provide and at least what, okay and what i'll say in terms of like teen titans go they changed how the show is in terms of like its delivery of like lessons and like the storyline and like all that other stuff, they they redid the entire show. Teen Titans Go, it's it's its own thing now. It's definitely I actually more really TV like Teen more, Titans Go, and I'm it's more comedic. Life. Yeah, no, it's it it takes a non serious tone towards Teen Titans because the Teen Titans, I think there was a balance because we got a very like solid like you know Batman like comic book styling. Um, animation with that series and they dealt with more serious topics and like you know overtones and themes and everything and those two things matched really well and they at least did that really well with Teen Titans Go and like they'll still have their serious moments and everything so like I actually appreciate the show for what it does and like how it keeps that balance um for me I don't I'm not gonna like this whole Space Jam thing one because I already know I don't like the animation style where they've taken the Looney Tunes because it's just, it's not the, and I know it's not the same, and I know what's popular right now, but Looney Tunes was always meant to, it, it was based off of music. Like, Looney Tunes, it's like, you had the, the classical music with a classical animation style, and like, they've since gone away from that, now you just have the characters that are marketable, and sell money, and are profitable, and are recognizable, which is great, and then you also have like, the most recognizable 
you know, basketball player that, you know, is currently playing, but is by far like not the best. And also just like, I will, I'm a Mike Stan. I'm an original, like it was like the perfect blend of Michael Jordan and like Looney Tunes at their hype. And it's just like, there's no way that this can compare to me and LeBron's a hack and the new Looney Tunes is a hack. So this entire movie is just going to be shit. And I just mean that from the bottom of my heart. We'll it's just gonna I'll still suck. watch it. I'm still going to watch it. it. I'm not going to pay to watch it. I will find a way to not give this like any money. And if I can find a way to take money from it too, at the same time I'm going to, because they don't deserve it. Um, but I still need to watch it and it'll be out of spite. And then I will immediately follow it up with the original space jam movie. And then saying, I believe I can fly at the top of my lungs. Like I do every time I watch that movie. And then I'm going to go want to play some basketball and pretend I actually know how to shoot a hoop. Like, <laughs> right. So I guess we'll move into our final headline type thing for the thing lines this week. And that is the Korean Baseball League, KBO. It's our new league we're going to follow because the XFL got taken away from us and they're trying to practice social guidelines. They have empty stadiums. They are wearing, some players, if they choose, they are wearing masks. While they play. Actually, I think it's required to wear masks while they play. And we have chosen right. some teams that we will be following for this funky league. Yes. So I am going with the the underdogs, I guess, right now. Because the record's not the best. But the, the KT Wizards are going to be my team. Because I love the little spazzy mac- mascots. And I like a challenge. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Well, I am all aboard with Swole Daddy. Because he would be. I need to swole. stay away from Swole anything, so it's best that I don't I have, have Swole Daddy as my team. I have chosen the best meme of a mascot, so that means I chose a team that is currently sitting at 4-1, and one, which is awesome, and that is the NC Dinos. They actually share an arena with the LG team. And that's right, I love how Korean names for their teams, you have Samsung, Kia, and LG. Deucin, big name companies that own the teams. Things American companies wish they could do. Could you imagine, instead of the Houston Astros, Nancy, you had the ExxonMobil Astros. Instead of the Chicago Cubs, you had the Vienna Beef Cubs. They're not getting around anymore. Or, I don't think the New York Yankees would ever change, but, you know, instead of the the Arizona Diamondbacks, you had the, the GoDaddy Snakes. <laughs> you really have to think about that one. I actually did for a minute. But, you know, it's just, imagine that if that was here. Instead of them trying to sell sponsorship on the jersey, they just sell the whole damn team. Oh, that's like a capitalist wet dream right there. So we'll bring random updates on the Korean Baseball League throughout episodes. It's supposed to be an 80 or so game season, so we're not going to talk about it all the time or give much news unless something happens. But we'll give that announcement here because it's just new in the season. We'll update after another week or so, I think, and actually talk a little more about it. Yeah, once once we start getting a real feel for it and you know, start dipping our toes more seriously into it. So we will do some more conversations about it when we need to. 
<laughs> and I guess from that, we're going to move into our themed section of the month. And since we didn't do an episode last week, we decided we were going to jump in and do three episodes of each of the two anime shows we're watching this month to bring everyone up to a little watchlist speed. So more on that shortly. All right, Thingateers, have you ever wondered where you could be the first to find our uploads? Well, wonder no more. Check out our main Anchor page. It's Anchor. Dot .fm forward slash a thing bod. While you're there, make sure to check out our links to Facebook and Twitter that are going to be pinned right up at the top of the page near the podcast description. So we've talked our Korean baseball. Now, we turn our attention to the theme of the month, Japanimation for anime. Um. <laughs> Cringe all you want. You've watched six episodes of animation. Cringe all you I want. Did. And you enjoyed yourself, admit it. I liked one I, I liked one experience more than the other so far. That's all you're getting out of me. <laughs> I understand. I need, to, I need to wait a little bit longer before I say like yes or no. I need gotcha. more information. Well, I guess. There's no time like the present to dive into talking about our first show. We will start with Recovery of an MMO Junkie, which I still really like the actual name translated from Japanese, which is Recommendation of the Wonderful Virtual Life. I like that better. I feel like that fits the show, at least from what I've seen so far. I think yeah. it fits it a little bit better. So... I guess I'm just going to ask you, what do you think? What do you think of Moriko Morioka and her little adventures of being a neat in her 30s and dropping out and leaving work and spending all her time online in a game? I mean, honestly, goals. Like, <laughs> if I could do that, I probably, no, I couldn't do that because I still very much enjoy people. Um, but I give her props for, like, taking herself out of a situation that she probably wasn't happy with and is like, you know what, nope, I'm gonna make this choice and this is how I'm going to this is how I'm going to be. But I have a frustration with that as well, because it's like if she makes this choice, but then she's embarrassed by the choice she made. And it's like you if, if that's the choice you made, you need to own up to it. You need to own it. You need to be proud. You can't just be like, oh no, no one can't find out. Ah! Like so I already have some frustrations. <laughs> I mean, but, for, for what this anime is supposed to be, it makes sense. <laughs> um, however, I mean, I do like the characters. Like, I like, I do like Morioka as a character, and you can find out a little bit more about her. Um, so, but Sakurai Son is also a really strong character in this show. I really like him so far. I think I think he's a very pretty blonde boy with a very strong Japanese name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I do enjoy his character. I think he's he's got some good motivations behind him. I'm excited to learn more about him specifically, um, and also his uh, his best boy. Ah, uh, Koi White, best wingman. Yeah, Koi White. Like I love him. He's so him and Koi so work together, which is cool. So they work together, and Morioka used to work for the same company in a different department. 
And then her nickname, Mori Mori, comes from Koiwai being a dick. I don't know if he was being a dick. Like, I feel like he was trying to make a sad girl feel better, because, like, you could just tell. It was, like, almost midnight, and she was still at work, and he was still at work, and you could tell she was, like, on the verge of a mental breakdown, which, like, makes sense as to why she was like, you know what, I can't do this to myself anymore, and she left. (laughs) I'm going to find meaning in my life by playing MMORPGs. Man. That resonates so hard. That would that would be like the best way to find meaning in life. I if I could do that, I totally would. But no, instead I'm an essential worker. And I, <laughs> I mean, you could quit and play MMORPGs for your adult your the whole life. My whole life would not last very long if I just quit my job. <laughs> I don't Things know. would go downhill pretty quick. So get sponsored. Be a be a a pro gamer. No, I'm okay. Thanks, though. It's not really my scene. And, like, I don't... I don't need a slew of neckbeard white knights coming at me, like, trying to ask me for feet pics and to get samples of my mouth water. I'm okay. I mean, if you could get money. Yeah, but that's, like, dirty money. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, if I was desperate enough, maybe. Or what you do is promise them that you would do these things and never deliver. I don't like lying, though. Or you send them <laughs> water out of your hose with a little bit of dirt, like, shake it into it and sprinkle, like, some glitter in it. You'd be good to go. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It's not like they know. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd find a worker. I just, I, I don't like lying. So I would still, I don't know. It, it's just best if I don't. I will I will continue working until I find a way to marry Rich and then I can spend my days playing MMOs or whatever video games I see. So until then, I'll just work until a rich guy comes and sweeps me away. <laughs> <laughs> so I do like, I do think it's funny that she lies to everyone online about her age. <laughs> like, yeah. she's already, she's playing the, so she's, so I guess a little context, she plays a male character online. And then they, ha- they have a bet going and ask her age, and she claims to be 21. A 21-year-old I'm, college student. But she's definitely a, in her 30s, elite neat. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's funny, and it's like, she only lies because she, again, she doesn't want to own up to her, um, you know, to her choices that she's made. So she's only digging this hole, like, deeper and deeper, deeper. So I'm excited to see how she digs herself out of it once we finally get to the, uh, the crux of the plot for this. I, so... I actually do have some other some questions I want to ask you your opinion on. Okay. Um, one being her clumsiness and how she actually meets... Alright, so let's talk about the first time she meets Yuta. Yuta Sakurai at the convenience store. She was taking her stomach rumbling a little too seriously. I don't think people usually give a shit. So she's yeah. just being dramatic. <laughs> and then... The chicken, and they both order it, and he gives, he lets her have it, and she just runs and says she can't go back in. 
like, oh, no, I can't come here for a while. Like, that would be one thing, like, if, you know, you called, like, the cashier, like, mom or something. Like, I could understand that. You know, something more embarrassing than just, like, some person ordering the last of chicken and being like, oh, no, you can take it because I can hear your stomach rumbling. It's like, oh, thank you. You say thanks and you move on. You're a woman in your 30s. You should be able to handle awkward interactions at a convenience store by now. Right. And then the second time, she's just a klutz and awkward. And what happens? He ends up elbowing her in the face on accident. Yeah, I don't like how fast did either of them have to be going at that point? Because girl's also sick. So maybe that had something to do with it because, you know, she had a cold and she was going to go get some medicine or what have you. But I don't think a man turning the corner and then like hitting someone with their elbow would be enough to like knock her unconscious where she wakes up in the hospital. Like, <laughs> I mean, unless they were both running because he was late. Remember, she okay. So, I guess context because you figured out who Lily is, right? Easy. Like the second, like I saw, like I was like, oh, this like blonde male character. You know, I was like, oh, that's Lily. Of course, it's Yuda. Like, of course, so, it is. And it kind of shows you that it is right, and at the end of episode three. But remember, they stayed up till like 5 a.m. And he was running late on the phone when he ran into her. So he was running like full speed to catch the train as she turned that corner. So maybe it's possible. And, you know, she was weak because she had a cold because she was up all night. Um, so it's like uh, that one I'll like I'll kind of give. And it's, it's like an official meeting and it's very sweet. And, you know, I... It's like, ooh, we finally got the what's gonna happen um, moment between it's like her and, and Yuda. So we'll, we have to wait and see. So it, it's very, uh, it's a very anime meeting. But I don't, I don't know. For me, from like all the contacts that we've gotten from these past few episodes, like she used to be really good at her job. She was very successful at it. She chose to leave become a neat because it was just too much for her i just i don't see how she could be so successful in her fields and then like completely revert to this character that we're seeing right now to me those things don't match up right like, I, can, and I can you find out a bit more about what's going on so you you do find out more right so it's you know, so I'm I'm gonna hold my judgment on her character so far. Um, but as of right now, I don't really like her. I love everybody else. And I, I love the way that we have like two different worlds. And it kinda to me, the way that this is done, it does make like traditional quote unquote like anime like make sense. Cause we get like the full anime experience, but it's in the context of the game, and it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, so we get all this ridiculous, like, anime, like, chibi, like, character stuff with all the magic and all this other stuff. And it's, like, completely justified with it because it's like, oh, this is just in the game. Also, if an, M an MMO existed to, like, this caliber of, I, guess, I don't want to say, like, realism, but realism, um, I would play the fuck out of it. This is, like, super advanced MMO sims, almost. So... Right. The game itself, like, concept is really cool. Um, so it's cool that I we get, like, those... I really wish anime... Things. Yeah, I really wish anime MMOs were real. 
Right? It just totally changes everything. Uh, well, not much else we can cover yet. We'll have to wait for this one to kind of pick up a little bit more for a little bit more opinion, because the first three episodes are just enough on this one to keep you wanting to know a little bit more. Yeah, the, I, I'm not dropping it out of the roster yet. <laughs> so, because I would, worry, I would if you like do, to If you do, I've got shows to cycle into its place, trust me. Oh, I'm sure you have plenty, you weeb. <laughs> anime's art, anime's art. And speaking of art, let's move on to our other show. So, the other show we're watching is Kimetsu no Yaiba, better known here in America as Demon Slayer. This one's a shounen anime, um, been running in Jump, and it's actually going to be coming to an end in September, as the manga will be releasing its final chapter. Oh my... So maybe I'll be able to catch up before it ends. We'll see. It all depends on how the anime runs i'm sorry the anime ended and the anime itself is over i'm sorry not the demon slayer the manga is ending yes mm -hmm. i just don't have the date i'm sorry i got the date wrong the anime ended back in september sad day yeah there's a movie coming Woo, we got but, a movie Hooray! but let's so, so the first three episodes introduce you to the characters you definitely need to know. And before we get to my favorite character in the show, let's talk about my least favorite character in the show. Oh, who's that? Our main protag. Really? You don't Kanjiro like that? Is not my favorite character. I definitely really love Nesco, though. Oh, she, she's best girl. Nezuko, best girl. <laughs> Look, Tanjiro, I like him better than I like Naruto as a character. That's not saying much, though. <laughs> no, I can't stand Naruto. I like Demon Slayer a lot. I just don't like him in the early beginnings of the epi of the series. As it goes on, he gets cooler, shit happens, but at the very beginning, he's just a whiny bitch boy. Yeah. But that, that's definitely one way to put it. So, enough about me talking. What do you think so far of this one? Dude, I love this already. <laughs> I'm, I am way more excited and invested in this anime than MMO Junkie. And then also a lot of other like animes that I've, just, I've seen in passing. Um, it hits a lot more notes for me in terms of like what I appreciate out of the genre. Because... Like one of my favorite animes of all time is Tokyo Ghoul. I love that anime. <laughs> so this kind of has like that same like gore and like demon and like fighting and it, it hits a lot more notes for me, but it still has like a, I'm more invested in these characters. Like I want to know more about all of them. Like let's go best girl. I actually don't mind Tanjiro. I kind of I kind of uh, sympathize with him a little bit. Um, being the oldest child myself, um, and like having to like kind of take care of family and do all of that other stuff, so I I can sympathize with his character a little bit more. I want to know why he can smell the way he can smell, though. I'm. <laughs> he was just born with the scent. He was just born I, with the gift of scent. 
I guess, but like that schnoz is like powerful than my dogs. Welcome like, to Shonen Anime, where money protag has an ability no one else does. You have Goku, who's just Goku. You have Vidoria with his all for one, or one for all. You have, you know, Naruto with his, well, whatever he does, because who cares? It's fucking Naruto. Right. So, like, I'm, I'm really liking this so far. Um, the time jumps are a little weird for me so far. <laughs> like, the way that they just are, like, the way they casually is like, I've been here for six months now, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, I guess we're six months in the future. That means that Netsuko's been sleeping for, you know, more than six months. You know? Yep. <laughs> like, okay, that's that's totally normal, and I've just, yeah, I've pretty she much had just to resigned sleep to, be to able accepting to, it. Yeah, she had to sleep to be able to control the the, the demon that she was becoming. So she had and to also sleep. To, yeah, and also she had to sleep so that way she wasn't like going to eat humans. So she had to conserve energy. I'm I'm sure that's you know part of it as well too. Exactly. So I'm. And so she could be able to get her energy back as a demon that she won't be allowed to eat humans because she wears a bit. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I get. I like that she just like has to like chew on like bamboo, like her little mouth muzzle. I find that quite quite amusing. Yeah. Um, and the anime style is great. Like the actual like art of it, I think is gorgeous. <laughs> and the gore, such a nice touch. Give me, give me blood. Give me guys getting their heads chopped off and arms growing out of them. Like give, give me all of this. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you the truth. What do you think about? the way he is and doing the the boulder and finding out that the everybody that was doing the boulder test with him or helping him was actually already dead. Uh, more cliche than I wanted it to be. But at the same time, dude's been at this for, you know, over a year now. So I guess getting some help from the dead isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, we're we're already we're already running into a bunch of I guess supernatural things, you know, because we have demons that and we've got people that are able to channel different types of powers through their total concentrated breathing. Um so it's not outside the realm of possibility, I suppose. So I'm more I'm more okay in accepting it. Okay. Uh, I just I wish it would have been something else. Well, unfortunately. But I don't, but, right, but I also don't know what I would have done instead. Right. Yeah, there's not much and else like, they really does, could have done. Right, but also how does that boulder heal? <laughs> right? Uh, like that that's a question that like I I legitimately have. What the what the heck kind of boulder is that? That it magic. reheals itself. I mean, it has to be like magic. Boulder. It's magic. <laughs> it's magic anime boulder magic. <laughs> Magical boulder boy. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, like the whole cliche, like cliches are aside. I think it's very, very well well done so far. I'm excited to see him actually like become a demon slayer because i'm sure that's like the next step 
So yeah, in the next couple of episodes, you're gonna get we're gonna get to see them go through final selection. Dun dun dun! Only took them so, a year or so to get there. Um, you'll see. Well, at least two final selection. Not necessarily that like he's going to get it right away. I'm sure he's not because that's anime. Again, you'll see. We'll go. We'll get there. So, I think with that, we will wrap up our anime talks for the week. What do you think? I think so. I'll have more opinions and stuff as plots start to progress, and we'll see how bored I get with one or the other, or not at all. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. We shall see. What we'll do is we'll move into doing two episodes at a time for these animes, because I think at least get through, since since one of them is a ten-episode series, I think if we do two, we should be able to get good for the rest of the month. I think that's a good way of doing it. Space it out just a little bit, and we should be Gucci. So, before I do, before we move on, I have one last question for you. And that what is, do you think of his, what do you think of his teacher? He's a fucking G. I want him to teach me in anything. Like, gives no shits. Kind of gives me like a Mr. Miyagi kind of vibe, but like Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Uradaki. Yeah, Mr. Uradaki reminds me of Mr. Miyagi, but not a G-rated Mr. Miyagi. Like, so, and he's just like, do what I taught you. I have nothing else to teach you. Bye, Felicia. And just, like, doesn't talk to them again. Yeah. I respect it. Figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, I respect it. Because it's like, we've been doing this for a while. If you haven't figured it out yet, then I don't know what else the fuck to do. Like, figure it out. And, like, just wipes his hands clean and fucking bounces. And I respect that. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, it's great. So, so we're going to get him. more into it um, coming up in the next few weeks here because Demon Slayer is great and I love MMO Junkie, so hopefully hopefully it picks up for you. If not, we'll replace it with something. But until then, I think we're going to toss it over to our other disembodied voices talking about Hunters for the last time. And <sighs> a long road. Yeah, it finally ends with heated debate. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> hey there, Thingateers. Have you been wanting to slide into my DMs? Well, now's your chance, so make sure you talk to us at athingpod at gmail.com. The time has come, Thingateers. We're here to finally put a bow on Hunters. And it's been a journey. It has been weeks of our lives. We're different now <laughs> than when you we know- first started. We started this show before not the under, pandemic. Not under quarantine. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we're different now. The world is different now. We started this like everything was sh- sunshines and rainbows, and like the only thing that really mattered was that the world was on fire. And now here we are, and we've reached murder hornets. <laughs> we've had pandemics and murder hornets. Woo! At least we ain't got the thrown in there. Yeah, right, but we got some Tiger King thrown in there for good measure. So it's it's been one heck of a ride with this show. That is to say the least. So I'm very I mean, excited for us to put a bow on it. <sighs> this show was a trip. I enjoyed it, and it did really well at hiding some of its twists. I was very impressed with the stuff it surprised me with. Yes. Like the big twist at the end. Spoilers if you haven't listened to us. Or watched the show since it came out, like, what, 12 weeks ago? Yeah. 
Anyway. <laughs> so, I, I guess probably, because we're going to talk about it holistically, like, we should talk about the good, we should talk about the bad, and we should talk about the stuff that we absolutely love. Because, needless to say, the show was impactful. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ride. But I have a lot of critiques, too. So where do you want to start? The beginning. Ha. Ha. So, oh, <laughs> a few things about this show I want to start off with is it is a, a historical fiction. So it's not just, hey, you know, this is the facts. This is alternate history. So there are things in here that were changed and have been changed to benefit what they're doing. Let's just right. start with that disclaimer to what everything that's going to happen here. Yeah, historical fiction. And it's also some, it, it, it's our first time dabbling in a not fantasy genre for a watch along. So this was an experience for a couple different people. Yes. And the thing I want to start off with about this show, and it's something I absolutely enjoyed about it, is the way the cinematography was laid out. Yes, we're starting there. <laughs> Let me tell you <laughs> how much I loved the camera work. I loved the colors. I loved the lighting. I loved the shots. This, this was so beautifully and it, it's set up to really give you the believability that it was set in the 70s. A lot of shows give you that, hey, we're in the 70s, but nothing looked like the 70s to you, you know? No. Like, they got, they got the costumes right. They got the way, and, like, even the way that the colors were saturated in the shots with, like, the lighting techniques and things of that nature, it, it gave it that era feeling. Like, there wasn't a bunch of fluorescent you know led bulbs all over the place to make for bright clear light like lighting like you got that graininess yeah they played with shadows very well Ooh, the shadows were dirty but in like the best way it's like one of my favorite things like, it's, i think i've talked about like the cinematography of every show that we've ever talked about ever so far and every movie and like if it's shot well it automatically gains extra dice points because it's art <laughs> at that point doesn't matter like what the content is if it's shot well it still counts as art for so what was your favorite scene that was shot then honestly i like my favorite the favorite scene i had with this whole thing is when the when the attic caught went up in fire that scene was just beautifully done the way the lighting played with the fire the way it was lit with it the way the shots kind of played into it i love that scene it was the chess game what? With the, the, the chess game with the prisoners at the concentration camp. And the reason I say that is because it starts so sunny and so bright. And then as the chess game continues, it gets darker outside. And it becomes more muddy. And things aren't as clear. And it's just like the, the, sip, like the, the mirroring of what's happening with... The, the actual plot, the way that it was shot, was brilliant. <laughs> so you know, after every death is like, it got darker, and it was just, oh my god, it just, it made me feel some type of way. <laughs> another scene I liked, and I think it's going to move me into the next thing I want to talk about, is the acting in this show. The um, acting was 
great most of the time. And one of my favorite scenes to highlight how it can go to both extremes is when Meyer gets found out. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some scenes in there where Pacino does classic great Pacino and classic over-the-top Pacino from both sides. And that shows you exactly where acting in this show is. You have some characters that are portrayed amazingly, like our favorite white supremacist, Travis. That is, he is played beautifully. Give that man all the Oscars. I'll take the Oscar that Leo finally won for sleeping in a bear carcass and give it straight to our favorite white supremacist if I have to, because dude deserves it. <laughs> well, on the other hand, Jonah, the character who plays Jonah, has some very, very weak scenes. Yeah. Uh, You'd think he would be the one that carries the scenes, but the supporting cast carries it more. Yeah, I think, therefore, I am. But I think the way that we can probably justify his weaker acting skills towards it is that, like, he has a great supporting cast. And, like, yeah, he's a young actor. But at the same time, I think we're going to be getting more of a shallow, like, a shallow reaction. And I think that almost makes it more raw in terms of, and, and real. Because this kid has gone through a lot of trauma in the course of, like, a couple of weeks, maybe. <laughs> you know, time is a little hazy with this, and, like, I'll, I want to get into that a little bit more as well, too. Um, but overall, like, I mean, like, he's gone through a lot in, like, such a short amount of time. And, like, towards the beginning, I feel like he was a much stronger actor than he was at the end. But I also feel like his character's gone through so much that he got, like, numb. And he was just going through it. And I almost feel like that's exactly what he did with the acting, too. Does that make it good? No. But I can see I can see why the actor did, ha did it how he did it. Method to the madness, I just don't think that it worked very well. No, I would have liked to see a little bit more from him. Like, he had great moments. Like, I really appreciated his acting at the at the wedding. I think that was a very, it was very strong. I, I felt like he actually kind of felt something while he was filming it, so it made it that much more believable for me. Um, I think that was one of the stronger scenes that he had, and unfortunately, one of the weaker scenes that he had was when Meyer was, when he found out that Meyer was the wolf. Yeah, I think that scene in general, both actors just, while Pacino carried that scene, that scene, for all that it was, wasn't as impactful as it should have been. Right. It's, and... it's a shame, too. Because, like, I mean, I know that you and I both pieced that together before we actually saw it come to fruition because they had, like, started dropping hints. And I think I picked up on it, like, maybe two episodes beforehand. Which... For me, it's a pretty, is actually, like, not as good as I usually do when it comes to, like, finding out the twists and turns of shows. So I, I give them kudos for that. But I was still able to kind of piece it together, you know, before the actual reveal. And knowing that going into it, I really wish I could have seen a little bit more of a boom pow from both of them. Yeah, that scene could have been done a lot better because... It unfortunately kind of brings down the ending of the series, because we don't really know if there's going to be a season two. It hasn't been confirmed yet. I checked today. 
Like, so we, we don't know if we're getting a, a second season, which is going to be a point for something that I'm going to talk about later. Okay. But, I don't know. So, we've talked a little bit about that scene, and I guess my biggest issue with it is, yeah, like we've said, it's just it wasn't executed well. It was shot well, but it wasn't executed well by the actors. But there's a lot of scenes in this in this series that almost kind of felt that way. And I mean this in, like, the best way, but, like, our little traitor, um, Harriet, or Rebecca. Harriet the Spy? Yeah, Harriet the Spy. I don't, the last couple of scenes that we had with her, they felt kind of very lackluster. And to me, I think she gave, like, the weakest performances overall out of any of the characters that we've had outside of Jonah. And so, like, out of the supporting cast, I think she she was the weakest link out of all of them. Yes, and I don't, I don't know why they gave time to give us her backstory versus some of the other characters. You mean like Joe? <laughs> Are we gonna start this right now? I was gonna wait. Well, oh boy. <laughs> so here's the thing: I still have my argument to Joe's that if they get a second season, you're gonna find out more. But you find out know. enough about his. Just like you kind of find out through Lonnie, so no enough because he's a mercenary, and mercenaries don't exude a lot of background information. Which is fine, but I'm saying this as as the viewer. So we and the way and it works with how the the show is shot because a lot of the the hunters don't know all of the backstories of one another. Like they they get like the snippets and everything, but we get the full we get the full story. So why couldn't we get the full story with Joe? Like that scene with him and like getting like his his you know his flashbacks and like even the scene where he was at the you know at the support group where they were trying to break into the records to you know get some more information and everything. Like I wanted more. Like Joe is that one character that I wish I could have gotten more from. In terms of like knowing his like motivations and his backstory, because I just I think I wanted to know like how we got to the hunters. I know why well, he's in the hunters, and it's because he was a mercenary and one heck of a shot and you know a war veteran and you know was basically an assassin. Okay, cool. That's how. That's why he's there. But I want to know how he got there. Same like, reason then. Do you have that same complaint when it comes to a character like Roxy? Roxy, we know her motivations. She's paid to be there. <laughs> like, like she, she has, you know, we, we get more motivation with her. And, like, we even get, like, more of, like, a present feeling with her and, like, investing. And, like, I even feel, like, I probably could know a little bit more about her. But I also feel like I know way more about her than I do about Joe because, like, We've seen her kid. We know she has a hard time grasping. She's also never killed anybody up until she killed that girl in the the sound room when they were like towards the beginning of the, the series because of just how she reacted towards actually killing somebody. And then she backed out, you know, but she was there to just like help and infiltrate and stuff. So like and we see that and like we know she's an activist because that's what her boyfriend or husband unclear <laughs> Um you know, is passionate about and she's passionate about it too and she's at least able to get paid for it instead of doing it for free. So, like, I see all those motivations behind it and that's great. And, like, how she got there is, like, she, you know, she probably, you know, she's 
there she is like she's but she got a job out of it so it's like for her it's more of a business transaction with mindy and murray like they were in concentration camps so you know it's they they get liberated and i'm sure that has you know something to do with uh you know jonah's grandmother uh you know i feel like she's probably the connect like the connection to mindy murray and um meyer so many m's <laughs> So we get all those connection pieces, and that's fine. But Joe's like the odd one out, and he's the one I want to know the most about. And I don't get that, and I might not get that because we still don't have a second season confirmed. Right. Well, and then what about? Off. But you see, you say that, but the problem is you don't know what any really. You don't know what many of their motivations are. Like, why is Lonnie part of the team? We don't really find out that, other than he has an expertise as an actor. He has you know? something that he needs to prove. And you can see those motivations, and those are spelled out throughout the entire throughout the entire series. Because, like, as we get to know Lonnie, like, he obviously has like a little bit of an ego problem, you know, and like he struts it, struts it, and you can see it. And I love Lonnie as a character, and that also it called me biased, but I love Josh Rayner just in general. But we know he's got like an ego problem, and that he was an actor. We learned that he hasn't been able to get as much work. He has a strained relationship with his father so he obviously has something to prove and the hunters is a way for him to prove something to himself especially after going down the alcoholic rap, uh, rabbit hole and like having to do all the aa and recovery and stuff like that so this is an outlet for him so i get all of his motivations it was spelled out maybe not like in like a flash cut scene or whatever but they did a great job with explaining his character his motivation and his backstory where i felt satisfied with it joe i didn't get that with and he probably deserves it more than more than Rebecca Harriet, our spy. But see, or, whereas I I feel like I got to know enough about Joe to care about the character and what they needed to give to understand that he is basically a gun for hire mercenary type. And that's exactly what it gave me. He is a very mission forward person. So they don't give you what you need to know. Him being kidnapped gives you the reason to figure out there's more to him, and that's where the second season, if that ever comes, happens. If not, we get a series ended on a cliffhanger. And I think current pandemic situations have a lot to do with that not being confirmed. Maybe. Maybe. But I also, I say this, like, I also don't see that many people talking about this show either, and that's what worries me. Like, it was, an, you know, it was like another one of those, like, app, like you know, Amazon ones. And we've obviously had, like, an Amazon show for a while now. And this one, I think, has gotten the least amount of press out of all the other shows that we've talked about so far. Which is unfortunate because it's actually, it's, it's a fantastic show. And it's, and it's got a lot of political allegories to our current, you know, political climate that we can't talk about because we're like Poland and we're neutral. <laughs> you know, Poland it, is a very bad excuse, example to use there. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, um, or we could be Switzerland, if that makes you feel any better. We could be Switzerland. We could be neutral. But um, I don't know. I just, I wanted more with Joe because I feel like his character has the opportunity for so much depth that we haven't, get, we never got the chance to explore. And it's, we may I don't, get that, but let's, let's move along from this here. Uh, <laughs> Let's move along because there's more to talk about in this show. And I want to talk about more poor execution. And I think the reveal at the end could have been done a little better. I don't know if I actually like that reveal at the end. 
I mean, I told you so. Uh, and that's that. It's <laughs> not very like hard to figure out, but it's also Ouch. one of those just, is it needed? And I don't um, think for any of the motivations as to what was happening in the show that that was even entirely fucking necessary unless we have a second season to back up why that happened. Right. And I mean, right now, I'm just left with, okay, why? Well, you like, know? another Amazon show that's alternate history and that Hitler's still alive and his man in the high castle. And in that one, Hitler is in a syphilitic coma. Okay. While the Axis kind of fought over America, etc., there's a book that has a lot to do with it. And yeah, that's a show I actually need to start watching. Maybe we'll watch it eventually. But this one, I don't know what the point is of having Hitler be alive at the end of this down in South America and showing us all of that. You know, we understand that you're using things from South America. In South America, you can grow a lot of corn. And that's what they're doing and then porting in from South America. Now you're trying to, now you're showing Hitler there being alive for just the payoff and shock factor. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things, like I said, where it's like, okay, why? I don't really have an answer for why he's there. And I wish I did. I'm, you know, I'm glad I was right. Cause I always like being right. Cause like, you know, it, it happens, but <laughs> Other than that, like, he hasn't been prevalent at all. They, you know, we get more of his wife, which, you know, for her being, like, alive and well. Okay, like, that was, like, a good, like, oh, okay, obviously, like, she escaped, she's fine, and she's raising some more Aryan children to eventually, like, kill each other like dogs or whatever. Like, we, we see that path of progression, but for him to just show up, it was, like, you know, we probably could have been just fine without it. Other, other than the only point that I can think of is that you know, the war really isn't over because he didn't die. Versus in our actual timeline where we really declared the war over when Hitler died. It's like, oh, you know, he's gone. That's it. You know, and obviously, like, we had cleanup to do. But that was like, oh, we brushed our hands off. Yeah, we won. Basically, you know after, I mean? after they discovered Hitler had, after they had discovered Hitler had died, you essentially had VE Day shortly thereafter. Right. When the German forces officially surrendered. So, this really throws a lot into, you know, that's why alternate history is alternate history. But. <laughs> so, I think that's probably like the why is it showing, like, oh, you can, you know, you can have all these little fights and try to take out the Nazis, but like the head Nazi is still alive and kicking. So, good luck, maybe. That's that's really the only justification I have, but I could have lived without it. I honestly think the ending would have been stronger if it was just the just the colonel and her sitting there at dinner with her five creepy Aryan boys with their red balls. Oh, they're ninety nine love balloons, yo. They weren't balloons. They were balls. I wanted to. Love I wanted to. Ninety nine love balloons. <laughs> You know, and for the shit I give that, there's other things in this series that just annoy me kind of like that. And really, a lot of them have to do with, with the scenes that actually involve the Nazi hierarchy. And let me talk a minute about one of my other least favorite characters, I guess. Biff. Ah, oh, fucking rat. He did really well, but I couldn't stand him. So, 
his character was acted very well. His character was written very well. His scenes were shot very well. I fucking hate that character, and that actor did such a good job of making him someone for me to hate that I just can't complain. One, if I was on the street, I would want to punch him in the face. <laughs> and that just means he did his job. <laughs> yeah. It's hard it's hard to get someone, especially I like him on a lot of other things. Like he's a fantastic actor. And like, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff that he's, you know, done over the years, you know, even realizing it, you know, now while watching the show, it's like, Oh, I've seen him in a lot of other things and I've always enjoyed him. But like, this was one where I'm just like, I can like introduce your teeth to the cement via my foot, meeting the back of your head. I would do it. And, it's just he made that character just like Travis. They got under your skin. And Travis was done so mm-hmm. well. We've talked about it already, but he just got under my skin a lot. Mm-hmm. With just those cold deliveries and that's the way he played that psychopathic look and feel to that character and just oh. Yeah, or like when like he started like threatening people. Like so it was it was like one thing. You know, and I think it's I think it's great that it opened like the entire series like opens with him. Because we got we got that beautiful, like, suburbia, you know, upper middle class. We have the pool. With oh, the no, that's lake more right than upper it. middle class. That's, like, upper, I know. upper class because they're, you know, Washington elite and Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, kind of yeah. like, uh, never mind. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> so, but, you know, for him to even open up with it, it like, it really sets the tone of, like, the, like, the dichotomy and, like, the weaseliness and just, like, pure, like, messed up character that he has. And he set that tone in the beginning so well, and he was able to carry and execute it throughout the entire series. All the way where he ended up in Russian. I'm like, you fucking weasel, I want you to get shot in Russian now. <laughs> like, my name is Boris. <laughs> but my name's Boris. Not anymore. So, so I guess that finally brings me to want to ask you, what is something that you absolutely loved? Honestly, I love the music that came with this. I think it complemented everything so well. Um, there was never... There was never a score or a sound or a song that felt out of place, felt out of time, or didn't fit the scene. I thought that it just, it complemented everything beautifully. And then, like, as, like, another aside as well, like, so, like, the music in general, I think it was just, like, it was perfect. Like, I, I have absolutely no complaints about it. And then I think something that I also loved was I feel like I know more about the the Jewish culture and like even like more of like the struggles and you know things that involving like the Holocaust and just like the the Jewish faith and like the I don't want to say like cult that is Jewish culture but that's the word I'm gonna use um and I appreciate it a lot more um because it, it's just not a, a culture that I had ever grown up being close with we had more like Catholics and Christians. And I also, I mean, like I grew up in like a heavy Polish area as well too. Um, But it was all like Christian Polish people. So I, I'd never had the exposure to 
you know, the Jewish culture that I know a lot of other people have, or, you know, you yourself being Jewish. (laughs) Um, I do appreciate that it shows off the culture in the show as accurately as it can. For sure. That is something I did appreciate. Right. And like, for me, like not knowing, you know, outside of like all the stuff I've learned, you know, being friends with you over the years, like I I feel like I, I got a really good, like crash course into like a very brief synopsis of you know jewish lifestyle and i just i felt like everyone was very honest and like everything like everything came from like truth in terms of like how it was written and like portrayed into the show so i really appreciated that and i feel i feel a deeper deeper appreciation for a culture that i wasn't privy to before as well and that in and of itself like speaks volumes i think to a show like this is that it made me it made me feel something for a culture that I'm not as close to. And that's hard to do. Okay. So what about you? <laughs> I have two different things. One thing is something they did in the show, and another is something else. We'll start with what they did in the show, which is I did appreciate the little just random asides they'd have, you know, with the, you know, that's racist type thing, the little just random shots, the comic book influence that would pop through. And I really appreciated those scenes like that. Then they popped up sporadically. Mm-hmm. They kind of took us away from the seriousness that the show was giving you and gave you kind of that moment of silly, that moment of comic relief, that, that moment. Um, but something I did really appreciate about this show itself is that it not only showed the, you know, the culture and the Jewish culture, it showed a lot of what America was at that time with the civil rights era and how, you know, how being post civil rights and how it's still, for example, you have in the seventies, a female of color FBI agent who's a lesbian and that right there clicks on all those cylinders of things that seventies America wasn't accepting of at all. And you see a lot of that in Millie's interactions throughout the show, and you see a lot of that, and it shows you her struggles as well as they are compared to what the historical struggles they show are. And it's just a nice mirror to see those things. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about Millie in, <laughs> in our recap, and she was a huge part of the show, too. I, and I think she did. In terms of like character portrayal and everything, I think she did fantastic throughout the entire show. And oh, for sure. That character was written well and done well, much like all the others. And she had a wild ride because you got to see the true extent of what racism could be to her, of what Nazi racism could be to her in a modern time almost. Um, you can see that people doubt what she does, assign her things that they don't think are going to go anywhere, doubt her stories and all of it. You just see all these things where you see her kind of reach her breaking point by working with them. Yeah, it was, it was a cool, it was, it was a cool, like, almost middle ground, because she gets racism from both ends, and then also the fact that she's a lesbian, so she got, like, the quadruple whammy out of all of it, and just to see that kind of, like, wedged in the middle. And some of the more powerful scenes in the series came from her when she went to go visit her mom in the hospital, or her mom's like, you know, I already knew and accepted her. That was a powerful scene. And then her mom um, dying and her being there at the cemetery and the way she delivered the lines of, you know, her mom died and she's there with them. Yeah. 
you know, just showing like her, her investment towards what was getting done and like her just like, all right, it's back to work. Like, I mean, I got my own shit too, but no one's bothered to ask, Hey, thanks. Fuck y'all. Like, but you know, and it's, it's that, and she portrayed such a very strong character who wasn't going to stop what she was doing. She had her goal. And I think Millie was one of my favorite things about this series. She was fantastic. I think she's a better character to move forward on focusing in this series than Jonah would be. Yeah, I don't really know what they would do with Jonah going forward. Because, like, yeah, like, she's was... going overseas, but then they're going overseas, and... Like, she's like, you know, oh, we need a group of Nazi hunters, and she just so happens to know a group of Nazi hunters. Hmm. Um, so I would rather follow her than Jonah, because I feel like Jonah, we, we kind of got enough of where he's at with it, and, like, I don't really know how much more he can grow as a character. He can become a more successful hunter, but I don't really know in terms of like character growth what we could possibly see out of him because he already went through some pretty big arcs um, over the course of the show, even if they weren't executed properly. Yeah. Speaking. Okay. So speaking of executed properly, there's one thing that I was kind of disappointed in and it, in all honesty, it really doesn't matter as much, but I also felt like they put enough emphasis on it where I thought we could have seen more from it. Um, but the whole chess game in general, like the game of chess Mm -hmm. and how it was, you know, it's obviously the opening credits. They, they reference chess multiple times throughout the series, you know, between chess at the concentration camps and Meyer and Jonah playing and Jonah and Millie playing, you know, so like chess is prevalent. And with them making it as prevalent, I don't think we got as much investment in that symbolism that they were trying to go for. No, actually, there's a lot of investment in that symbolism. Um, So now that you've seen the series all the way through, watch it again, knowing what you know, and you'll understand the chessboards a lot more. I mean, because they've essentially laid out the game. The whole show is a chess game, especially when it comes to the me- way of thinking to figure out what's going on. And chess is the metaphor they use as the thinking man's game because they're laying down what, what they're, the seeds they're laying aren't overtly laid. So it's a thinking man's way to pick it up. Oh, so, okay, so here's the thing. like they, they did that to an extent, but maybe just not to the depth that I was looking for. Um, and, you know, granted... <laughs> You can only go so deep in in an Amazon show, I suppose. Um, And, like, I know, like, things had been moving from the beginning. Obviously, like, you have certain plots that have obviously, like, this has been a long game coming and we're coming in mid-game. You know what I mean? So, then, like, you can see that. So, it's obvious, you know, it's also a lot harder to kind of pick up, like, oh, yes, this is a chess game. But I just, I feel that if you're going to take, like, that much emphasis towards it you should you should really take it to that like that next level because like we know we've got you know the two opposing sides and like roles are kind of defined in terms of chess pieces but at the same time i feel like they're kind of washy like wishy-washy on it like they're they didn't commit as much as i thought they were going to to the whole chess piece with it being such a focal point of the show 
like they reference it a lot. We have it in the opening credits. And like, yes, they follow the structure of chess, but if they were really doing the thinking man's game and making it like a prevalent thing, I thought they would take it to like the next level of well, chess and not what high I've school learned. level competition chess. Well, because <laughs> that's you, the that's the level that I've gotten from it. Like even like revisiting episodes, even though I haven't so, rewatched the series as a whole. No, there's a lot. So yeah. So you've missed out. You're 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 not picking up everything it laid down for the chess metaphors. The reason that the 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 colonel goes out instead of the general is the queen is the most powerful piece in chess, so she's the most powerful figure on that side. He is only held in reserve because the king is truly weak, and he is held and shown at the end. You have that's what those are. Your pawns, the brothers are the pawns. Where Travis is the pawn that at the end moved to the end of the board and was promoted from a pawn to a rook or to a knight. I give him more of a knight role. As you're looking at the other side, as you're losing and you're taking them out through the through Meyer's poor moves with his gambits, he does a he does a gambit and he ends up losing one of his key pieces. And I would say that his bishop would have been Murray would have been his bishop, or Joe was more of his knight, and those two pieces were removed. Uh, Mindy being a piece that was that sacrificed. And reverse it. <laughs> well, either I way, it and reverse it. Joe to me seems more of a bishop than a knight. And I think it's just because like bishops can be more aggressive. But either way, the but. game is set up. The, the way the game and the show were set up is as chess. And that's where I'm thinking you missed the metaphor is you've got to make those connections to who these individual characters are piecewise to understand what the show is laying down for it. Well, and I was able to do that. I just, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have the proper way of articulating the way I thought they could have taken this chess metaphor. <laughs> Being um, someone who actually has played competitive chess, watches competitive chess regularly, has keeps up with competitive chess rankings, they laid a lot down into it. <laughs> and that's just what I'm going to say. From what I've watched, what I know, there is a lot more to the layers they put into these characters than has been given away. And that's why I'm quite happy with what they've given me with Joe, because there's still more layers to what they've given us in the show to pick up about who Joe is and what he's about. Oh, fair enough. I will still disagree on the whole Joe thing, but <laughs> I still argue rewatch the series as a whole and appreciate it as a, as a chess game. Like I said, I, I've rewatched episodes. Eventually, I'll rewatch the series as a whole. I know that's I one thing as... I did for this one before I to prep for this review was I took the time in the two weeks between to actually rewatch as much of it as possible in order just, and i needed to for the fact of trying to figure out because i was i was trying to figure out more of the chess metaphor originally and that's when i started looking at it a little differently and realizing what they laid down right so and it's one of those things where this show lays a lot down that changes after you watch it the first time because once the twists are given away it becomes you go back looking at well, what gives those away so it gives you as a second opportunity for a rewatch on this being just that, where you're watching it a completely different way from start to finish. Right. Well, even with the episodes, that I, I mean, I rewatched the episodes that I felt didn't stick with me as well as some of the other episodes did. Because there are other episodes that like, I, I can recall very well, like beginning, beginning to end of episode, just because of all the impacts that it had and stuff. So I went back and I just like, I rewatched the ones where like I knew pieces were missing for me where i was like okay how did we get from a to b oh that's this episode let me rewatch so i can make 
those connections and help fill in some gaps after watching so, it whole. There's actually one, a couple of other characters I want to mention real quick. And I, I just, I don't. They put an emphasis at the beginning of the show on Jonah's relationships with his with his friends before the hunters, who are then almost immediately cast aside for a majority of them, and then come back enough to where it kind of takes into his other life, and then they're gone again, basically. You see them in very brief snippets, but I I was hoping to get more from them, from those as side characters. Well, it's hard to get more on a side character that gets murderized by our favorite white Right, but I mean, I'd like to know more of Jonah's relationship with his friends before the hunters, because we don't get that. We don't get much of what the kid is, of who Jonah is before the hunters, other than he was selling drugs and got beat up. I don't think so. I feel like the episode where they go to the beach and are smoking weed, I feel like we get a better you know, a better idea of, like, their relationship. Obviously, they're, they're three kids that are all, like, fairly nerdy. They're into Star Wars. They debate over, um, you know, Wookiees and various other nerdy comics. Obviously, um, Jonah and his other friend, you know, work at the comic book store together. You know, so there's history with that as well, too. Um, and then, of course, you also have, you know, their black friend. And obviously, you know, we still have, you know, discrimination and racism against that. So, like, there are a bunch of merry misfits that have happened to find themselves together and have bonded through that. And then Jonah just also had to sell drugs so that way he can make ends meet. So I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of all of their relationships. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to kind of see, like, maybe, like, how they met um, just to kind of solidify the relationship. But I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of where their relationships lie and like why they're close with one another and you know why they all care about each other and obviously like they're also in a very close like tight-knit community they all live relatively close to one another obviously uh his one friend lives like right across the street and jonah has the hots for his sister so yeah there's going to be some close relationships with that as well so i just i don't know i feel like i got i got enough out of that relationship i don't think those two were related i thought they were no, Nancy, just because they're both black doesn't mean they're don't related. don't put that on the internet, man. I could have sworn they came from the same house. Like <laughs> Nancy, just because they're they're black does not mean they're related. I, okay, I don't need this on the internet, man. Like that's the last thing I need. I don't need SGWs coming for me when I'm, you know, I'm a super big ally. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> Too late. It's on the internet. <sighs> But you know what? With that, let's let's wrap this up at this point here. I think we've said a lot about this show. Yeah. <laughs> and we could keep going for a while, but it's probably best that we don't because we have we have to go. Our time on the ether is running thin, and there are other things that must be done. So. With that, I guess it's time for us to rate this thing, isn't it? I think so. So, um, I'll go first. Okay. I've put some thought into it, and I've been mulling over ratings and been thinking a lot. And I've decided that I was going to roll this one as a D12. Okay. Because it doesn't quite hit that there's still enough room for this show to have flaws in it 
and it has some significant flaws in it, even as if it's going to end up being a complete scene where it doesn't quite get that perfect D20 rating. It's close. It has a lot going for it. But some poor character development, some plot threads that just didn't resolve significantly, and some other issues plague it from being there, which if it gets a second season may end up making the overall rating a lot higher, depending on how they resolve some things. But I fairly say it's great. It's near the top, but just not there yet. Okay, that's fair. So I'm actually, so I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot too. And I'm actually going to give it a D10. Okay. And, you know, for me, it's the, the parts of the show that were super strong and super impactful were done so well. Like, like I said, like the cinematography, the music mixing, and like some of the characters I think were great. And, you know, I, I enjoyed the ride from start to finish. I really did. And, like, it, it kept me on my toes long enough where, you know, I haven't had an experience like that with a show in a long time because I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at analyzing and figuring out, you know, from A to B, like, even, like, my point with, like, MMO Junkie, like, no, that wasn't hard, you know. Like, but, unfortunately for me, the things that fell through, they, they fell through in, like, such a way where I had such a hard time getting over them. And, like, I will still die on that Joe Hill um, you know, some of like the really weak acting scenes, some of the some of the scenes that I felt were completely unnecessary and completely like so like they were almost like non sequitur and like not even including the non sequiturs because those like all the the random little comedic tidbits that they throw in, in there also just like changed the tone of the show and it was it was great and I loved all those really weird random bits. Um just for me, the parts that fell flat really fell flat and it, it was really hard for me to kind of like justify some of those pitfalls that the show has and that actually knocked the rating down for me from a d12 which was my original and then like as i was reflecting on it i'm like no it's probably closer to a d10 for me and it's just because those notes really weren't hit the way that i know they were going for and also compared to what the rest of the show was capable of if they would have spent their time Maybe more wisely. And I'm not even complaining about like the pacing of the show because the pacing of the show, we didn't even talk about pacing. That's like one of your favorite things ever. Um, you don't need <laughs> to because there weren't issues with it. Well, right. But we didn't like, even want to talk about a that. show that does like, good on pacing. Let's talk about that because pacing alone is part of the reason why I gave this show a D12 because I didn't have issues with the pacing. You know, like The Witcher, I had issues with pacing. Carnival Row, let's not even get started. <laughs> that that's really what started you this know, whole it, pacing meme. Well, no, Stranger Things started the pacing theme because that's Stranger true. Things is also horribly paced, and that show rates lower on my scale by far. Mm -hmm. Pacing has a lot to do with a make or break of a show because that's what keeps my engagement is how it's paced. Hunters did pacing beautifully to keep me and keep me going to want to watch each episode because it kept pacing things and ramping it up. It didn't ramp and drop and then try to ramp back up again like a lot of the shows we've watched have. Oh, and like I said, so it wasn't even like a pacing thing. It was just like, I think the way that they they spent their time on certain things, I didn't need. And I could have gotten more out of the show from the actual points that they were trying to. Um, so for yeah. that, I'm going to give it a detail. 
Yeah, no, I give you the fact that there's a lot of scenes we didn't need. There were times where they did just waste the time because they needed to fill it, but none of that affected the pacing. No, it didn't affect the pacing. And that's, I think, so but it that, affected and, and, the impact. And yes. that's where that's where my but problem lies. But what marks a good show to me is also things that can balance the that bol- the bullshit of it with the pacing, and you don't sacrifice that. Marks something that's pretty good. Like we want to talk no, about something that has a lot great. of pacing issues. Let's go talk about Doctor <laughs> Who one day. Ooh. That's a show I love, I, but that has a lot of pacing issues because it's it's Doctor Who. They write yeah. themselves into a corner, but you figure out that's what the show's about. Right. So, but thankfully, time travel. Yes, um, we're not a Doctor yeah. Who podcast yet. I don't like the way you said yet. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's... <laughs> So yeah, so for me, it's actually, it's going to be a D10, and I think this is also the first show where you and I, where I've actually rated it lower than you have. Um, but I think it it kind of falls into my, I expected more out of a show like this, because that was what they were portraying when they started. And they started super strong, and then they started to waver and fall flat and stuff like oh, that, man. and it, it, it was really disappointing. You gotta so, keep to learn to keep your expectations at like rock bottom because then they can only impress you. See, you know, I tried that, and that kind of put me in my life situation. So I'm trying to not do that anymore. Yeah, I think I always play why you like Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things. Fuck off. So I think on that note, thing of tears. I think we are done for our let's talk of the week. It's been a crazy ride. I'm excited to see what we pull out of our hats next in terms of shows that we're watching. Um, anime is fun. Yeah, because we don't really know what we're watching next. We're going to ride out May with this anime talk and try to wrap that up because that's a lot of anime to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going to keep that like going. I still pretend like I have a social life. <laughs> I will stay and I'm going to drop it now so that way it has to happen. We will be don't reviewing Akira next week. From 1988, great one of the greatest anime films made. We'll have that on the on the show next week. So it has spoken. So it shall be. Until next time, thing of tears. Catch you next time. And wash your hands. Stay out of melee range. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs>